I am Pastor Erica Allen. I'm one of the pastors here at Horizon. And I don't know if y'all know this happened, but we just set up more chairs in this room. And that makes me all kinds of excited. Can we be excited about that this morning? That is good news. And it's not just good news because we want to fill this room up because that is what we want to do. But we want people sitting in these seats and we want them to experience an hour of worship and to walk out of this place free to shine light and ignite change for Jesus because we know that's going to change the world. Can I get an amen? Amen. We are excited about what God is doing in this church and through this church. And so I'm going to go off script for just a second. And um, many of you know that a, a little over a year ago, Horizon Church purchased Panorama Bowling Lanes on the corner of Del Mabry and Gandy. And we have some really exciting news about um, the renovations happening there and pulling in an operator to help run the, the bowling side of things. We're really, really excited about um, some things moving forward, and we can't wait to communicate with that, that with you all in a little bit. But yesterday, um, about 10 or 11 o'clock, Chris and I got a phone call that someone had broke into the bowling alley, so we went down there, and I, on social media, was frustrated that on Saturday afternoon, I wasn't getting to spend time with my kids, so I put a picture up at the forensic investigation unit at the bowling alley, I just put it on my story, and was like, bowling update, alley update for this week, um, and so I just want you all to know, it was just a, it was a small break-in, Chris, Ernie, and Shannon, like glued things back together or hammered things. They did something and it's safe again and all is well and nothing major was taken. And we are just grateful that God continues in whatever way to look after that space. We're grateful. So if you saw that vague post, I just wanted you to know that. I'll let you know that I tagged Chris in the story so it showed up on his story and he had like 15 messages and I had two from people <laughs> concerned. And I realized that maybe, I was like, these people know me. Why didn't they ask me? And Chris is like, because they know you. <laughs> so uh, they knew who could handle the questions and stuff. So we were also grateful for Chris and sort of his calming presence um, um, in all things. Let's just be honest about that. So if y'all will, if we can just pray and then we'll get started with the message this morning. All right, God, I thank you so much for each and every person in these seats. As we prepare to read the Bible this morning, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit will be just what we sang about, that it will fall in this room. Help us to see something in our lives and in our world with new eyes. Approach it with new hands and new feet, and that we'll be freed up in this moment to shine your light and ignite your change. For the people sitting here this morning, God, who need to hear a fresh word of your hope, I pray, God, it will fall on their ears and their lives in a way that offers it to them. For those longing for peace this morning, God, I pray that these words written thousands of years ago will bring the same peace that it has brought to people for centuries. We thank you for your spirit that offers freedom and peace in the midst of whatever it is we're going through. And we pray most of all, God, you'll use us as instruments to spread that freedom and peace in a world desperate for it. Amen. So I was reading some research this week, and the headline on one of the leading researches happening at Stanford University said, to understand how people think, look to their actions, not to their words. And I was like, I'm glad this university is spending a lot of money to know what we already know, right? Watch what people do not what they say, and it will tell you what they believe. To understand 
how people think, look to their actions, not to their words. Leading scientific research shows that our actions go into effect by our minds long before words come out of our mouths. Have you ever bit a lemon, right? Have you ever bit into a lemon before? You're like, oh, that's sour and gross. What's your face do? It like puckers up. That's my favorite thing to give my kids like a lemon or a lime and watch their face. They're like, ooh, you know. Have you ever heard a bad joke and you rolled your eyes and you're like, oh, I wish I could take that back. But that joke was terrible. It was awful. Um, have you ever laughed at something <laughs> that was like, maybe it was just your first reaction was to laugh when it was like an accident or something. You're like, oops, wish I could take that back. Has anyone sat in car line at a public school this week? Um, sometimes our actions <laughs> take over before our minds. I'll, I was, yeah, there were just sounds coming out without words this week in the hour car line that I sat in. That's, it was terrible. Um, this is my number one character flaw, right? You know what I'm thinking long before I say a word. When I experience something, you know exactly what I'm thinking before anything comes out of my mouth. I shrug my shoulders, I roll my eyes, I laugh at inappropriate times, I scream sometimes before words even come out of my mouth. Most of y'all are the same way. You don't have to act so perfect today. That's not the kind of church we are here. <laughs> so y'all can just set that aside. Y'all are the same way, right? Before you actually think and can, you know, create this perfect reaction to things, your body, your mind, your, your thing, you just react to things. And I so desperately want my first action to reflect the compassion and goodness and love of God. But what so often happens is it reflects my anxiety, my worry, my fear of the uncertainty. My first action rarely is like an action of compassion and kindness and grace and goodness. My first action is usually frustration, anxiety, fear, uncertainty. You know, that's what I react to first. And to understand how people think, look to their actions. If this is you this morning, if, if you thought for just a second about the last 72 hours of your life, Think of some of the reactions that you had in the last 72 hours of your life. Think of them. Think of some of the things that you've reacted to in the last 72 hours. What's coming up? That will start to teach you what you're thinking and what you're believing in your mind. To understand how people think, look to their actions, not just to their words. So just think about that. I'm going to bet that 99% of you in this room want your actions to reflect something different than what they've reflected in the last 72 hours. I know that most of you want to sleep soundly at night, but you're awake, worrying, and thinking about things. I know that most of you want to come home after a day of work and let your kids know that you love the purpose-filled job that you work every day, but what happens instead is that we react out of frustration and being upset and we snap at the people that we love. I know that most of you want the homeless person on the street to feel loved and fed and wanted. We want them to think about a cool place to lay their head at night. But so often our first reaction is to get to the next thing because we don't want to dare be late. When we start to look at our actions, we begin to see what we think. I know most of you 
want kids at Sheremonte Elementary School, the school that we partner with, um, that, that has 84% of students on free and reduced lunch. I know that most people in this room want those kids to know how loved they are, how capable they are of changing the world. But when it comes time to sign up to volunteer there, our schedules are already full of other things. When we begin to look at our actions, we start to see what we actually believe and what we think about. These desires that I've talked about, these desires for the world to know about compassion and love and kindness and goodness and wholeness, those desires are placed in your heart by God who has a dream for this world to be whole to be healed, and to be full of hope. Those, those desires in your heart, thank you for taking an hour on a Sunday morning to sit in here and connect with the dream of a God who wants our world to look different, who wants places for people to sleep, who wants kids to be supported and loved by adults and mentored by people who love them. Thank you for sitting in here this week and getting close to the God who wants you to be a parent that helps your kids know how wonderful they are to inspire them, support them, and encourage them. Thank you for sitting in here and connecting with the God whose dream for your marriage is it is one where your spouse feels supported and loved no matter what. That is God's dream for the world. Those desires in your heart to be healed, whole, sober, joyful. All of those things are desires placed in your heart by the God who dreams this world can be different. This world can be amazing. This world can be full of grace and goodness. These desires were placed in your heart by God. But we live in a world that those desires, when they move from your heart to your brain to help how you think and then how you act, something happens between the path from here to your heart, deep in your soul, something happens when those thoughts move from there to here. Something intercepts them. It's cause, it's because, sorry, Sandy Ridge accent coming out there. It is because we live in a world that convinces you that those desires, those dreams aren't as important as the things of making more money, being successful, having more time, never being late, looking perfect to the people around you. Something happens between the desires God has placed in your heart and those desires moving to your brain and actually beginning to affect your actions. Things in this broken world that we live in that was introduced in, in the very beginning when, when humans made the mistake in Genesis and original sin, something happens between our heart and our head and these thoughts get broken up. We live in a broken world. Those thoughts, those dreams get broken between your heart and your head. But we, listen to me, y'all, we serve a Jesus who heals all things. That broken vessel, that broken vein in there... I know the person who can heal it. I know the God who wants those dreams to go from your heart to your head and to this world who's desperate for it. I know that God. And I've watched that God intervene in my own life and begin to change it. I've watched that God intervene in your lives. Those of you sitting in these chairs, I've watched God change your hearts. Heal that vessel, that vein that goes from your head to your heart. And I've watched your actions change, and I'm thankful for it. And there's three words that we say. Grace, God's unmerited gift of favor and love and power. Grace 
upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. I don't care how many times that vessel and vein gets injured, broken, fractured. I don't care how many times it does. God, through Jesus Christ, intervenes time and time and time again because He is a God of grace upon grace. He's a God of what? Y'all say it with me. Grace upon grace. One more time. We serve a God of that sounds good. That sounds really good. So when you are beginning to deal with those things being fractured, begin to say grace upon grace. If you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 5, I'm going to tell you what Paul says. Okay, this is what a pastor who absolutely loved Jesus, who found himself having these desires in his heart for the world to be whole and healed, and something happened when those dreams tried to move from here to here. He... he the world convinced him that power was more important. The world convinced him money was more important. The world convinced him that everything else was more important than those dreams and desires he had in his heart placed there by God to have a whole world. And so Jesus intervened in his life. He's on a trade route. It's called the Damascus Road. He's riding down it. He's, he becomes blind. So he can't even see what all the world's trying to feed him anymore. And Jesus intervenes in his life and heals this pathway from his heart to his head. And he becomes so on fire for offering that wholeness and that freedom because he experienced life in a way he'd never experienced it before. And God said, I want to use you, Paul, to start new churches in the Roman world. I want you, Paul, to start offering this freedom and this hope and this healing because he began to recognize, right, he's, he's going to tell us, stuff. he's going to recognize those forces in our world that intervene in our lives and break that vessel from our heart to our head. So listen, this is how he describes it to the church in Rome. He said, those who live according to the flesh, those who live according to the world that's going to break that vessel between our heart and our head, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. That word flesh looks a lot like selfish, okay? These desires become selfish. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, there's a different force in town, one that has a different way of doing things. Those who connect to that Spirit, the Spirit of God, have their minds set on what the Spirit desires, a good world, a whole world, a hopeful world, a healed world. That's what we think about. The mind governed by the flesh is death. Getting the next pay raise, getting the next house, getting the next car, all of those things will pass away. They're not going to last forever. When you start focusing on that, you got to realize it's going to die. But the mind governed by the Spirit focuses on the eternal things that will last, and that gives you what? Life and Life and peace. Who needs some more peace in your life? I need it in car line right now. Peace, Jesus, peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. We become hostile to the things in this world. We become hostile to the things God offers this world, like goodness, wholeness, and healing. Because we can't submit to what it is God wants. We don't submit to God's law. Nor can we even begin to do that. When we get so focused on the things of the flesh, we can't even focus on what it is God's, God wants. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. I don't want y'all to think God's sitting up on some throne waiting to be pleased by you guys. But I can tell you what God wants. 
He wants your life and your life and your life, everybody's lives in these seats. He wants them to be used for healing this world. He wants to use you as a vessel. That is pleasing to God. Don't you want to please a God who wants the good things for this world? He wants to use all of y'all in these seats to offer wholeness to this broken, fragmented world that can't even begin to see the dreams and desires God has placed in their heart. He wants to use you as a vessel for that. He wants to use you as a vessel of hope in a world that's been robbed for it. You want to know why people can only think about the next job or pay raise they have? Because they've lost all hope. They don't think there's any reason to start working with kids at Monty or try to figure out how to feed homeless people or any of those things how to be good parents. We've lost all focus on that because we've lost hope and we're in the, the desire. So I'm going to explain it in this sort of cycle so that you can begin to recognize the, the times when the flesh is taken over in your own life. So the flesh we, is, is like the world, okay? It's, it's you getting caught up in all the things. So when you start focusing on all of those things, it is selfish desires. Think you know, a pay raise isn't always a selfish thing. Sometimes that's a good thing for your family. But it's things that are only about you getting ahead, looking good, being right, you know. Like, think about your arguments that you have with people. Is it about seeing the people around you as offering something to the world or is it about you being right? Okay, these are the selfish desires. So your flesh begins to think only about selfish desires and then those things die. The new car the new boat, the, the perfect school, all of those things eventually will die. They will eventually go away. They won't be there forever. You keep treating your marriage with these selfish fleshly desires and it will eventually not last anymore. And our marriages, are y'all listening to me? This is, a, this is an issue in our world right now. Our marriages are designed for the eternal. It is supposed to give us a hope and point us to something everlasting in God. And when we get all focused on this, those things start to break down. Flesh, selfish desires, things die, and then you become hostile and angry to the God who wants good things for you. You become hostile and angry. What can you place in these boxes? What are the selfish desires in your life that are leading to death? and making you hostile and angry, pay attention to your actions, right? You're, you're being mean to the people around you. Go back to the root. What is my actual desire here? Is it about the flesh or is it about the Spirit of God? Because the Spirit of God offers the dreams of God. When you can dream and look past tomorrow, when you can begin to see this wild vision of a world that's whole, of kids who have what they need, of, of a kingdom where everybody ha has, has the things that they need to eat and sleep and, and, and those kinds of things, when you can begin to see the dream that God has for your spouse and not just, I need, I need that person to be what I want, the Spirit of God opens your heart up to the dreams that God has and that gives you life and peace. If you can't breathe very good this morning, I'm going to ask you, go back to that first question. And then think about the life and peace that you want. Start there. What is the dream that God has for you? And what is the spirit of God? How can you connect more deeper to the spirit of God? Because that will give you freedom. You won't be 
walking around, having to fit in a perfect schedule from 8 to 5 and come home and the kids have to do everything perfect and everybody has to be perfect. You will be freed up for a life that offers the goodness and grace of God to the world. Don't just take my word for this. A dear friend of mine named Brian lost his job a few years ago. It was a very successful job. He took care of his family with this job. He found purpose and meaning in this job. It was a good job. And one day he walks into the office and he lost his job and he walks out of his office without a job. He went home. He has two kids at home and a wife. He walks home, goes home from his job. He has two wives, not two wives. <laughs> Don't tell Brian I said that. He has two kids. <laughs> Chris is like, Erica, you're messing up the story. Has two kids, one wife, all right, one wife. So he goes home to his family, and he doesn't have a job. He spent a couple of weeks at home, upset, angry, hiding from the world, full of shame and grief and guilt. And his wife walks in one day and says, Brian, you can't live like this anymore. You can't live like this anymore. You're sad. You're depressed, you're angry, it's really dark here. Why don't you just sign up to go volunteer at Metropolitan Ministries? Here, I've already got the schedule <laughs> where you can sign up to volunteer. And he goes every day just like it's his job. And he starts volunteering at Metropolitan Ministries, which is a ministry that offers resources to folks who live on the streets. Men, women, children. And he begins to, to use this high-powered executive job that he had and that he lost to start organizing systems and things that help bring people out of homelessness. He begins to dream of a, of a family center that can be built at, at Metropolitan Ministries and offer hope and healing to kids as a volunteer. And after a couple months of volunteering there, the CEO, the CEO of Metropolitan Ministries walks in and says, Brian, would you like to work a job here? And he's like, yes. I found such deep purpose and meaning. And he worked at Metropolitan Ministries helping create resources and, and, and things for people who live on the streets that, that recognize their dignity, that recognize what it is they, they need, and started to set up things that offer folks what they needed. The dream that he had in his heart to work a job that gave him purpose and meaning, it was destroyed and God placed a new dream in his heart. What would it look like for you to work and this nonprofit, he helped grow it, he helped grow the funding. He did amazing, amazing things. And after a few years of working there, he got a job offer. He worked in real estate before. He got a job offer to work in real estate development for affordable housing. I don't know what y'all watch on TV, but the affordable housing crisis in Tampa is in bad shape. Most of us sitting in, this cha in these chairs know what it's like to almost be priced out of our home. We know someone who can't live in our city because they can't afford it. We're watching poverty and those kinds of things continue to increase. And this man uses his job every single day to create affordable housing opportunities in Tampa. Did y'all hear this? The life and peace that he was offered by God in a job in Metropolitan Ministries, now he's a vessel of God's grace and offering it to a world that needs life and peace. People don't know where they're going to sleep at night and he's helping them find affordable housing to sleep in. Can you say amen to that? What did I say, guys? We serve a God who gives us what? Grace 
upon grace. Did y'all hear that? He gets a new job and a new dream in his heart, and God uses that dream to be a gift of grace in the lives of people who are homeless or, or who need more affordable housing. Did y'all hear that? Grace upon grace. What is it? What is that dream God's placed in your heart? What is that thing that's been broken for a while? Can you give it to God this morning? Can you let Jesus begin to heal it? Because I don't know if you know this or not, but the reason that gets broken is because you don't think you're worthy. You don't think you're good enough to offer to the world the grace upon grace God's given to you and offers to the world through you. Can this be the morning that you let that vessel be healed by the God who sent us Jesus, who offered us the Holy Spirit to heal those things because our world needs that pathway in your life healed. Your children need it. Your spouse needs it. Your parents need it. Your family needs it. Your workplace needs it. Our city needs it. Share Monty Elementary School needs it. Metropolitan Ministries need it. We got a person here that will sign you up to volunteer today if you need it. Figure out what it is this morning that God is offering you and know He is a God who offers you grace upon grace. Will y'all read this scripture with me from John? Um, just, we're just going to read it all out loud. I know it's a long one, but we're going to do it. Out of His fullness, we have already received grace in place of grace already given. Grace upon grace. If somebody in this room this morning has never given your life to Jesus, you've never trusted Jesus to heal and make you whole, I am asking you this morning, this morning, let this be the morning that you give your life and heart to Him. Let Him heal you. If it's been a long time since you've given Jesus your heart, if you've been sort of just going through the motions and you're ready for Him to heal it, me and Chris are going to be in the back and we want to pray with you. Come to us and let us know. I'm ready to take this next step in my faith. Will you pray with me this morning? God, I thank you so much for the people in this room. I thank you most of all, God, for your grace upon grace. I pray for the hearts in this room that were aware of the desires they had that are not in line with you and your dream for the world. And I pray this will be the moment you begin to heal it. And more than anything, God, I pray that you'll use the healing that you are doing in this room to send these people out to offer your hope, to offer your healing, to offer your wholeness to a world desperate for it. Free these people up to shine your light and ignite your change and let them know they are worthy of it. Amen.